All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Friday, September 23rd. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, we're going to get right to it. We got a very special interview today with a king of the box office, the, the barbarian of the box office, the director of Barbarian, Zach Kreger, is on the B.O. Boys. And, and I mean, it, it was great. It was great to writer, talk to a king. Writer, yep. director. Writer, director, and voice. He is a voice in the movie at one point. So, yes, so yes. you'll get to your writer, director, voice talent. What more do you need? And the movie was number one at the box office a few weeks ago. As talked about, had an amazing hold. And he got to come on the B.O. Boys and bask in the glory of being a box office success. Yes, as all number one movie directors and writers should do. I mean, we have an open door policy for anybody who is the king of the box office, like Zach was. And you know what? Very humble guy, very creative, very smart guy. And, you know, I think in this interview, you'll get his reaction to being number one. Yep, yep, yeah, it's great. I mean, we've had kings of the box office on before. We, of course, had uh, Nick Turner on a couple of summers ago when he was the number one comedy star in America with killer raccoons part two, uh, dark Christmas in the dark. So we had Nick on, but now it's great to also have yet another box office King, Zach Kreger, director, writer, voice talent of barbarian. So let's just get right to it. Let's cut to that interview. You'll enjoy that. And then the episode will be over. So here you go. Here's Zach Kreger. Welcome, Zach Kreger, to the B.O. Boys. Of course, Zach is the director of Barbarian, which is uh, a huge hit at the box office, just as the B.O. Boys predicted. And uh, Zach, thanks so much for joining us on the B.O. Boys. Thanks for having me. Uh, So first off, before we get into it, this is a movie that, you know, the marketing has been very good about being secretive. Don't spoil. Don't say what happens in it. So what is your sort of non-spoiler description that you've been giving of Barbarian. What is Barbarian without actually telling us what Barbarian is? I mean, I I generally say um, something along the lines of, a woman checks into an Airbnb very late at night only to find out that it's been double booked and she has to make the decision to either sleep in her car in a bad neighborhood or cohabitate with a stranger. And um, what's actually going on in the house is, is much worse than she or the audience could ever expect. Yeah, that's that's a great description, and then it goes very wild from there. We're so excited to have the director of a number one movie at the box office on our show. You know, our show, we we value box office. We talk about box office. So I got to ask you, how does it feel to be the director of a movie that opened up number one, held great? You know, what, what does it feel like to have been a king of the box office? You know, critics <laughs> love it. Audiences love it. That's all well and good, but the movie is a box office hit. So how, how does it feel to be in that position? Well, it feels good, but you have to you have to kind of steal yourself uh, before the movie releases. And you know, I had to at least get 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 in the mindset that like I made the movie I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. If critics don't like it, I still made the movie I wanted to make. If it doesn't do well in the box office, like that's okay. Like the big win for me is I got to make the movie that I wanted to make and everything else is, is all great, but like, I'm not going to put my emotional, uh, you know, self-worth value, you know, 
on something like that that I just have no control over. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many factors that go into box office success. Like, what else opened the week before? You know, um, how, how do audiences feel about that weekend? Uh, is the marketing doing its job? So. I've tried my best to sort of detach myself from mm-hmm. that as a metric of success or failure. Now, I will totally not deny that it feels great. You know, when it yes. goes your way, you relish in it. And I feel, you know, like, oh, man, I'm so I'm so awesome, blah, blah, blah. All that right. stuff certainly comes into my mind, but I try and file it appropriately that, you know, this is not real. Um, you but, know, uh, I've already shifted my, my whole, you know, creative being into like, the next script I'm going to write, and that will be where I funnel my attention. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that's that's a great, healthy way of looking at it. Glad, glad to hear you have that. But on the on the opening weekend, when the numbers started coming in, what, what was it like that first weekend when you did start to hear, okay, people are loving this. It looks like it's going to go well. Because, I mean, at least at that point, you could start to feel... Obviously, the main thing is you made the movie you wanted to make, but but is is that fun to have that weekend where you're getting the response of, okay, and it's also working? Well, it's hard for me to know what's working and what's not, right? Mm-hmm. Because like the box office in, in this fall is so low compared to other years that like I have no frame of reference of what's a success and what's not. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get these emails from the studio like um thursday night you get an email that's like okay so our thursday like cold you know the few screens that open up thursday we have an algorithm that kind of predicts what we can extrapolate from that and project onto the weekend and they kind of tweak their algorithm always to be really low so i Mm -hmm. think they had predicted like we're looking at a five million dollar weekend and i was like i guess that's fine like you know i think everyone was like five million is okay this movie is a four and a half million dollar movie so i don't care um, so I was like, okay, 5 million, I guess that's okay. I'd, I, I'd heard people say 25 million would be great. I heard people say 2 million would be just fine. So right, I don't right. really know how to categorize five. And then it came out and did 10 and a half. So it more than doubled that, that algorithm, which I think is kind of what they do on purpose mm-hmm. is they, you know, they, they keep it low so that everybody looks good. Right. Um, right. and it was, it was 10 and a half okay so i don't know what 10 and a half means i'm like i think that's good we're number one that's good but like there's also not a lot going on that weekend so it's like number one of 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 what i guess is what i'm thinking and it really wasn't until i started talking to like my producers and people at the studio where everyone was like no you don't understand like this is a this is crazy and i was like yeah. okay so uh, I'll, I'll take that in i'm still we're two and a half weeks out and i'm still not quite sure how to think of this yeah um, well and the opening was great but I think what was also great was that second weekend hold, right? Well, see, Which again, I, I saw a 40% drop and I was like, fuck, we lost 40%. And then like somebody at the studio was like, dude, we would have been thrilled if it dropped 65%. We yep. would have been fine. Like 40% is insane. So I was like, okay, again, I'll, I'll take your word for it. That's great. Um, Cool. It, it it is great. I mean, I could tell you our last episode, the Bo Boys, we were just going on and on about that hold because number one movies usually drop at least fifty five, sixty percent, and horror movies are always a much bigger drop than that. So for a number one horror movie to drop what yours did, take it from the Bo the Bo Boys, that was an excellent hold. So well, you know, it's interesting, and and I wonder if this is part of it is that like there there was almost there was a very, very minimal marketing campaign, you mm-hmm. know, they did not pump this movie the way they pumping smile at Paramount right now, where I see that 
everywhere. You know, there's billboards and bus stops and all these things. And that's great uh, for Smile. That's fucking awesome. But like for, for Barbarian, it really had to be a word of mouth thing. Like people had to see it at these festivals and tweet like crazy. And then on some of the early screenings, like it, it really was like, um, I think the lack of marketing made people feel a certain amount of ownership over the movie. So it was like that, that band that nobody knows, but you mm -hmm. know, and you get to tell your friends about it. And I think maybe it will never know the answer to this, but it could be in retrospect that that was the secret sauce that made this movie have the life that it had and why it's had a hold is because people feel excited to tell their friends who really don't know anything about the movie, you know? Right. Um, it yeah, be. it's that it's that old fashioned like Blair Witch Project type yeah. marketing, like let the people yeah. do it for you. Yeah. And actually, we we're going to ask you about that. What was was there a strategy behind that as the marketing campaign sort of hiding, you know, what happens in the movie, which is the opposite of what most movies do. I mean, most movie trailers are here's, you know, all three beats of the movie. Here's everything that's going to happen. Was that something you had influence on or was that a studio thing where you guys really went with the sort of minimal we're not going to tell you what's going on in this movie no disney was on the same page with me from the very beginning that we don't want to spoil this movie we have to protect it because the joy of this movie you know i i personally think it holds up on repeat viewings i've had a lot of people agree with me on that but i do think that the first watch is so fun in that it tricks you multiple mm -hmm. times and so i think that uh, disney was really really enthusiastic about preserving that and mm -hmm. so the trailer that was cut was certainly cut by them but it was it was one that i was like super thrilled with um so i did i answer your question i think i got i, I lost oh yeah question. no okay. it seems oh, it seems like it's good to know that like disney was so all in they were on going with this type of marketing yeah. campaign because you would think a studio that big would want the traditional no we've got to show them the blank you know we've yeah. got to show them the the big the big twist um and on repeat viewings i'm actually planning to what's exciting is you know clayton and i saw this movie together loved it just went nuts when the you know the, the big thing. cut happens in the middle it's 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 great um and i'm so excited to like take my wife to it this week you know I, well that's what i hear so much is that people go see it love it and then they want to bring friends so they can watch their friends watch the movie you know yes. and i that that's amazing to me that is so so cool yes yeah i'm looking forward to that experience of like oh i know it's coming i'm gonna look at her i'll try not to ruin that i feel like this, i feel like her experience won't be as good because i'll be like staring at her in the middle of it so <laughs> well, she hopefully it won't matter if you're staring at her because i think that at that point the movie has done a pretty effective job of commanding attention yes um so so i i hope i hope that won't be an issue yeah yeah and this this movie is so great in the theater. We saw it at a pack screening, and it really is a ride. You hear people, you hear people laughing and groaning, and you know, talking to the screen, saying, "Don't do this, don't do that." That's the experience yeah. you want. And now, a lot of these type of films have gone directly to streaming. Now, mm -hmm. this uh, obviously had a theatrical release. How much was that you pushing for that? Was that something you pushed for? Is that something Disney? uh pushed for what was the uh what was the decision making in making this go to theatrical i mean i'm a first-time filmmaker so i didn't exert any power because i didn't have any um you know so my finance this was an independent movie and on the eve of my departure to bulgaria to shoot my financier died and so um new regency swooped in at the at literally like the day before i was getting on a plane 
and they they saved me. Uh, they just they I think they did Roy Lee, our producer, a favor. They were like, Roy needs help. This is four and a half million dollars. No big deal. You know, go make the movie. And but the the beauty of that was that when I came back and I finished the movie, New Regency was like, let's see what you did, and they liked it, and so they decided to test it. It tested well, and then we made some changes. And then in our second test screening, since New Regency is partnered with Fox, which is owned by Disney, the Disney marketing team was like, let's go check this movie out. They knew nothing about it. So they just came to a test screening just to just to watch a movie, I, I think. Mm-hmm. And they they saw potential. And I, and I was not involved in any of those conversations about the ultimate fate. I had kind of assumed when I was making the movie that it would be like, probably sold to Shutter or, or put on Hulu or something like that. I mean, that's what I was expecting. You know, my dream of dreams was we would be able to go to a film festival. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's where I was at mentally. And so then for for me to get word that like, uh, yeah, Disney wants to like release this wide theatrical. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Have uh, how many times have you seen it yourself in a theater? Is it has that experience been fun to just like be I, you know what? In, in a real audience? It might be really tacky, but I've seen it in a theater like more than ten times, and oh. I'll keep doing it because I just love it so much. I mean, I I have to acknowledge to myself like I only have so long where I can share this in a theater with people. You know, mm-hmm. this is like my movie. It's my labor of love. I like stitched it together, and. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks, that chapter where that's a, a, available to me will be will be over. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to go see it this weekend. Probably I saw it last weekend. I saw it three times opening weekend. I have no shame about it. It's like it's a blast. I love hearing people freaking out. It's uh, just so fun. No, I mean, if if I ever made a movie, I couldn't imagine how many times I would see it in a theater. Like now they, I made a, have... I made a movie that didn't work in 2008. And I never went and saw that in a the theater one time. <laughs> so, so, so it's different when the, when you like the movie, it, it changes things. So you're talking about Miss March, of course. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, so you have your 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 longtime comedy background. Of course, you were in the Whitest Kids You Know. You made Miss March. You you've been a comedy actor and writer for years. What type of uh, what did that background play in? working on a horror movie you know to that skill set that sort of like you've learned this ability to make crowds react like like did that translate or was yeah, i think writing it's the same muscle hard? group you know mm-hmm. it's about timing and tone used in conjunction to to get a visceral reaction so it's just about subverting expectations and zigging when the audience expects you to zag it's it's almost identical i really do believe that mm-hmm. yeah i mean and and not, obviously not to give anything away, but Barbarian does just have great funny moments that, you know, we're watching this and you're like, oh, this is just something that in a different world would have been a great sketch right here. You know, this thing happening here. And there's uh, there's character driven comedy, which is the best kind where it comes from the characters personalities that's what you're laughing at it's not just like a funny line it's like truly very funny and there's like pat said there's so many times in this movie where you're laughing because of that yeah thanks yeah i mean i always i always feel like the best the comedy i'm drawn to is not just like jokes for jokes sake but jokes that come from the character and so um yeah i appreciate that so uh so where do you see yourself going next you know like right now again you know, you want to be modest, but it was a number one movie. The box office had a great hold. So I'm assuming this is going to help you a lot in getting whatever's next made. So are you looking towards staying in the horror genre, doing comedy, doing a mix of both? 
Just the, the, the I wrote a script before Barbarian that I actually love more than Barbarian. And it the problem, though, is that it takes place in the DC universe. It takes place in Gotham City. So I and don't you know. You don't own those rights. I'm, I'm, asking, I'm guessing. What's that? You don't own the rights to DC. I don't own the rights. Okay. It's one of those things where I will have to just like, you know, I'll probably have to make another another movie that works before they'll let me do it. But I tell you this. I tell you this. It is very good. It is it is like my favorite thing I've ever done. And one day I will make it and it will be awesome. But uh, I, I don't know if I've earned my stripes enough yet to to get that. It's not a huge movie. I, they mm-hmm. might give it to me, but it's not like a it's not like Batman is the main character. It's like a tertiary. It's a guy who just lives in Gotham and gets okay. like sucked into like a really difficult situation. I'll just leave it at that. Do, but um, does Batman so, show up at all? Is he like Batman in a bodega? Okay. Um, so who knows? Who knows what will happen with that? But that's my dream of dreams is to make that movie. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I recognize where I'm at. So I'm writing another horror movie now. It's weirder than Bar- than Barbarian. Uh, it's more ambitious, but it's way weirder. And uh, I think I'm going to pull it off. I'm talking about the script. Like, I, I think I'm going to be able to land the plane, but you never know. And that's kind of where you want to be, you know, as a writer. It's like, if you're writing something and you're like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, then it's probably going to suck. But, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the time when I was writing Barbarian, I was like, am I wasting my time? Is this is this crazy? Like, how am I going to how am I going to finish this? And that that's a good thing um, to be in that space. So that's that's definitely where I'm at right now with this new one. And we'll see what I do. I don't know. Very exciting. So last thing, I'm guessing, you know, this was a huge hit. Uh, how many people have whispered into your ear at the studio or asked you, what about Barbarian 2? Can the Barbarian return? Well, I thought about it. And at first I thought, that's so stupid, never ever. You know, because a sequel would be what? Like somebody goes back into the house. It's like the whole joy of Barbarian is the process of understanding what the movie even is. Right. So like another movie where we just go into the catacombs. It's like, we we already did that. And a prequel I thought would be about what frank abducting and torturing women like i'm i'm not gonna make that movie i don't want to watch the prequel will be rough yeah yeah but then i had an idea and i'm not going to talk about what it is on this podcast but just this week i actually had an idea i was like well that that would be an angle that i would actually really like i'll just give a clue if you ever read john gardner the novelist then mm-hmm. then you'll kind of have an idea of what i'm what i'm thinking of here but um oh okay don't, i think i don't say know. it but that's for people who, who know john gardner's work there's one novel of his and it's like that would be an angle i could take and so um so maybe never say never well i i mean listen it would it would be number one at the box office, guaranteed. Don't so. don't say that. Don't say that. We don't know that. <laughs> it, if they release it in in a weekend, which where there's not a lot of other releases, sure. We'll, okay. We'll say, yeah. Well, um, you could say that for almost any movie. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Zach Kreger, uh, for being on the Bo Boys. Everyone, if you haven't already, of course, go see Barbarian. If for nothing else, it was number one at the box office, so you've got to go see it. That's uh, not a reason to go see a movie. It's, <laughs> It's... Go throw money at money. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know how many dump trucks are fucking number one for a weekend? It's just not a reason to go see them. Well, go the, see Barbarian because every... it's fun and you'll enjoy yourself. Well, that, of course, that also. Okay. Right. Those, that's our, there's many reasons. Right. Uh, thank you so much, Zach, for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It was super fun. I appreciate it. Yeah.